Welcome to the Axiom Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Earhart. And today I have Devin Dash and Joey Brandon. Honored to have you guys on my podcast. Oh, honored, honored to be with you. <laughs> today we're going to talk about owners. Owners can't whisper is the name of this podcast. Joey, I want you to start. Give us an intro into this topic. And then I have just some categories or some ideas that I want you two to expound on. Well, we talk to to owners and we work in small businesses. So these are very tight knit teams. Some of our teams, there might only be 15 or 20 people on the team and others, there might be 200, but even the 200 something businesses, those owners are very close to the employees. Some of those employees have been with them for a long time. And you can say it's cliche to to hear we're like family, but they really are. I mean, their relationships go way beyond roles and responsibilities just at the office. And they've had a long history together. And sometimes owners take it for granted well, we'll say it a different way. They don't realize that when they say things, those things are heard by employees completely differently than if a fellow coworker were to share the exact same information. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about this owners can't whisper is kind of our internal language for that concept of as an owner, you have to realize that and the other way we say it a lot of times is you speak with a megaphone. Everything you say is heard at a louder volume. It's more impactful people were going to analyze it and read more into it than if a coworker says something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I could, you know, hear some business owners right now saying like, whoa, that's a lot of pressure, but this is what you signed up for, right? Right. It's <laughs> not fair. Right? It's not fair that you are judged more harshly. It's not fair that you can't lean on the door jam and shoot the breeze with the employees the same way everybody else is, but that's the cost of being the leader sometimes. All right, well, let's jump into it. So the first one, I want you guys to talk to me about owners blowing off steam. So let's say they come into the office, they just had a very stressful event or situation and they begin to blow off steam in front of employees. Well, it's, I mean, I think it can it can come when there, when something stressful has happened, it can come when you've lost an important account. It can come a lot of different times. But when the employees see you kind of lose your poise, it's a very unsettling feeling for them. Now, if they, if you're kind of widely regarded as a hothead, you know, maybe maybe, maybe they're used to it. But even then, I would argue that when you come in and and you're really upset about, say, a key customer account, or you're really upset about a part of the business operation. And, you know, maybe it's a, there's a, a specific person, you're not mentioning them by name, but just the the steam that you're blowing off about this department can never get this right or that right. And it's always been a struggle. Well, they start to connect that person's name with that gripe, or they start to connect that client's revenue with the business. And pretty soon, like the sky is falling, like somebody's losing their job, or we're going to have to cut back because we lost this major account. And it, if there's one kind of characteristic that I would say it can give you more credit than you're due, it's poise. You know, if you're poised, if and another way you hear this, like even keeled, mm-hmm. like a business owner who's unflappable, then there's a couple of things that are going to happen. Number one, people are going to watch your responses to situations and they're not going to get anxious, right? And so when people get anxious, they start to act in irrational ways. Their performance goes down a lot because they become more emotional. They're just mentally hijacked and they're not able to make really good decisions. But the other thing that happens is when you are able to have that kind of even keel, people will bring you more information. We see a lot of times 
I've talked to managers, I've talked to line level employees, and we're talking about an issue. And I'm like, this is a problem. This just, this happened just in the last week, as a matter of fact. I'm like, is anybody has anybody talked to the owner about this? And I'm like, I don't know. That thought that thought that's what you were here for, right? <laughs> you know, and I was like, I you guys have had this information for a lot longer than I have. And one, like I'm having to get educated on it and I'm probably going to relay it imperfectly. And there's going to be questions that you could answer on the fly that I'm going to have to come back. So one, it's just kind of inefficient, but, but it really bothered me after that meeting. I thought how many other potential opportunities to make improvements in the business are we missing? Because when people bring the owner information, they don't want to hear, they, they get exasperated, they lose their cool, they blow their top. And that's probably maybe a discussion for another, you know, that's, that's kind of related to this, but not exactly. Overall, I would just say that when you talk to employees, put a governor on your emotions and, and how, how emotional you get about something, how much steam you do blow off. It's okay to express disappointment. You're not a robot, right? And, mm-hmm. and people want to be able to relate to their boss, but there's a line that you can cross pretty easily without realizing it. And you start to create anxiety in people. That's just not, it's unwarranted. And, and you know, what's interesting when you talk to these owners, like they're not anxious. It was like, Oh man, we've been doing this for 40 years and we've lost 20 of those accounts. And this is not the big one. And even we're not going to lose it, but even if we did lose it, like we'd still recover. Like, okay. But the person that you just talked to, who's been here for five years, they have none of that history, Mm. right? They just, they're going off of, your emotion and the information you shared and the emotion has turned up to a power of 10, the magnitude of the information you just shared. Yeah. To that same point, I think a good analogy for that, we have an eight month old child. And so I know both you guys, Devin, you're in the stage as well. I do not have an eight month <laughs> Joey, old child. I'm sure you can remember this with raising your kids. When he bumps his head, the first thing he does is he looks at us for our reaction. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And if we give a big reaction, then he starts crying. But if we act like everything's fine, if we stay, he, he's okay. All of a sudden he's okay. And it's very similar when we see, you know, as an employee, when you see the business owner have an extreme reaction, you're gonna get a little anxious, a little worked up. But when you see them even kill, it, it, it's just reassuring, it's comforting. It's okay, the, the person I'm following, our leader is not stressed, is not anxious about this, so why should I be? I'll add one more point to that, yeah. is that I don't know a delicate way to say this. So in, in the risk of offending some people, I'll just say it the way it occurred to me as you're talking. Like somebody in, in the room has to keep their shit together. Right? <laughs> and so here's what happens. If the boss can't do that, then the employee is forced to do that. And when the boss is, and it's very important that some, like it won't do if some of these business owners who have a propensity to kind of just dump more stuff than they should on their employees and, and blow off more steam than they should around their employees. If the employees began to blow that steam off with them, yeah, oh my golly, this is terrible. Oh my God, what are we going to do? The owner would be like, holy crap, like, what's going on? <laughs> but that never happens because the, there's this dynamic where grown adults realize, mature people realize, well, one of us has to keep it together. Like I'm obviously the person here who is the regulator in this, and I'm just going to let them blow off steam. Well, if that's the position you're putting your, your employees in, the flip side of that is if you're never the regulator, you may never really know how your employees feel about things because they don't have anybody to share the, those raw disappointments with or those emotions with or those, the anxiety with. 
and they they wind up tamping it down. And eventually they leave, right? Because one, they get tired of the up and down roller coaster mm-hmm. that's being created. But two, I, I think subconsciously, they just know they're having to be, you know, it's kind of like you get to a situation at some point, you know, in our adult life, we get to a situation where the roles between parent and child are flipped, you mm-hmm. know, and the child starts taking care of the parent. And I think for a lot of these employees, it feels like that, but it feels like that's happening when they're like 12 years old. Yeah. Like this shouldn't be happening right now. <laughs> I'm, I just got hired here and you've been running this multi-million dollar company for years. Why am I the adult in this situation? Yeah, yeah that's good. All right. So along that same page, talk to me about delivering bad news to employees. Devin, you got any thoughts on delivering bad news? I mean, I was thinking some of it kind of goes with what we were talking about blowing off steam. Yeah. And I would say delivering bad news, the probably the best piece of advice I've ever heard is no surprises. Yeah. Right. So when you, for example, our business owner, don't come in to a room and be like, all right, everybody, I've got some bad news. And then proceed to deliver the bad news without any context, right? So meaning no surprises, give full context to the conversation. And if you can, if you're going to have to deliver bad news as a business owner, maybe deliver that bad news to a smaller group, maybe your key leadership team and and give them time to process what the bad news is before you actually have a discussion on it. So, you know, send out an email beforehand and say, Hey, we got bad news. We're going to have to talk about this situation. Here's the scenario. And here's the date and time that I want us to talk about this and have this conversation. Otherwise, you know, you come into the room and you say, we have bad news. Well, your employees are probably not thinking through what you're about to say. They're not thinking, okay, let me, let me figure out the who, what, when, where, why, and then what's actionable out of this conversation. And what are we going to do about it? They're thinking, how's this news going to impact me? How does it affect my team? How does it affect my family? How does it, you know, and they're going down the list of things, not thinking about the problem and the bad news. They're just thinking about all of the consequences of it. Yeah. Because I, I would say in the moment, that's generally where we, we go is like, okay, well, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my team? What is, and then we start looking out at, you know, our spheres of influence going out and instead of focusing on and hearing what the problem is, and then what we can do, thinking through what we can do about it. Well, I think that last, those last couple of words, what are we going to do about it? I think if you feel like you need to share bad news, but you don't know what you're going to do about it, you're not in a position as the leader to share it. Now, possibly with your leadership team or with your, you know, most, most of our businesses, there's like a, the, the person just below the leader who is that, like in Gina Wickman's rocket fuel book, he talks about the the visionary and the implementer, you know? And so the visionary comes to the implementer and is like, we've got this bad thing just happened. Like we got to figure out what we're going to do. And that's a situation where, yeah, absolutely. But those two individuals have such a trust and confidence in each other. And the implementer is used to the personality of, you know, the transparency with the leader that they, they can temper. And they're like, well, it's not that bad. I mean, you know, we're going to get through this. I've got some ideas already. And usually they're finding out about bad news you know, kind of together and there's not a huge gap. So those, that's, those aren't the situations I'm talking about. But if you lose a, a big account or you find out that you're going under audit or you find out that there's a major lawsuit, right? If you find out like, let's, this happens to clients. I mean, we live in a very litigious society. Some of our big clients, you know, they have massive exposure just because their business is in so many different areas and they get a lawsuit, right? And so 
if you if you don't if this is your first time through that, like your first conversation about that shouldn't probably be with an employee. It should probably be with your attorney, right? <laughs> like and let your attorney go. Okay, like here are our options, and then you can go back and you can share bad news with your. And let's say it is bad news. Let's say hey, we got sued. We actually were at fault. There were some things here that we should have done that we didn't do, and there's going to be a price to pay for it. I've talked to our attorney. He's working on it. The people in their firm, they've got a person there and she's done this before. And I'm assured that, you know, she she is one of the experts in the field. And we're gonna have to negotiate and it's gonna be painful and it's gonna take our attention away from it. But I want you guys to know and we're gonna get through it. And I think your leaders appreciate being knowing what's coming, but they appreciate more knowing that you know what you're gonna do about it. So if you're if you got bad news, but you don't have a plan keep your mouth shut, you know, go talk to somebody outside your team to get the expert counsel. And we've even, I've even had experienced this in C12 where C12 members were, were smart enough to realize, Hey, I got bad news. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I'm not in a position where I can share anything with my team because it's just going to panic people. What did the collective group of other business owners around the table, what do you guys think I should do? And, and not uncommon for someone to say, we went through that. Here's how it worked out for us. Here's who you need to talk to. So when bad news comes, you know, don't share it until you know what you're going to do about it. Yeah. And I'll say in addition to that, deliver the bad news as best as possible. Remove any of any speculation from, you know, thinking about the what ifs of the bad news, like just deliver the narrative as it has happened. And this is, you know, this might be common sense and saying like, just tell the truth, but if you, and I literally have just had this conversation multiple times in this past week, if you have, if you have any news, right, we're going to talk about surprising news next, but if you have any news, the best thing you can do as a business owner is yes, get counsel first and maybe figure out, have a plan for how you're going to share it and what you're going to share. But when you have that, don't go off into like possible narratives or, or, you know, tangential storylines, like just share everything as it happens, like bring to light the scenario as best you can to what it is in reality, because if you don't set the narrative or, and sometimes even if you set the narrative or if you don't set the narrative well enough, we have a propensity as humans to create our own narratives. We need it, right? We need it to make we sense need to of, understand of what's it. going on. Yeah. Right. And so if you're going to share bad news, share everything that you know to be exactly fact and like, just share that. Don't, don't try to go into more detail. If it's not speculate, clear, don't right. speculate. Because any speculation will result in spinoff narratives right. by your employees. Well, what about this? And what do you think about this? So we've got this lawsuit, but it's totally unfounded. And we're going to beat this thing. And I don't want anybody to be worried. This is a bunch of nonsense. And then six months later, you're like, uh, we're going to have to make some tough decisions because we have a $500,000 judgment we have to pay. Right? <laughs> right. And the employees are like, what? I thought you said we had this under control. Yeah. Yeah. And set the narrative and don't don't let the narrative spin off into, you know, other maybe competing or contrary narratives. And it's a, yeah, there's a fine line you can walk there because you want to give people enough information that they, they don't start making up stories. But again, you don't want to go down a road where now you're starting to speculate and try to read between the lines. And, you know, I think the longer you practice good leadership, the more faith and rapport you build, goodwill you build with your team. And, Early on, if you feel like you're struggling with this, I mean, it can be very difficult. Later, you know, it's a little bit easier for thinking of one business owner in particular that we have who's 
who's built the company and it's, it's gotten to a fairly large size. And he's got such goodwill. Like everybody in the company believes that he would absolutely do what's in their best interest and without question. And so if he were to get up there and say, I, I got some information, I'm really not sure where this is going to go. I think in that situation, everybody would be like, well, I know he's got it and I know he's going he's right. to take care of us. Whereas somebody who, who has maybe is a little bit earlier in their leadership journey and they get up there and say, this is what we know. I'm really not sure what we're going to do next. Everybody's like, oh my God, like, is he, is he capable of this? Right. So you have to take into account your track record in terms of how much you're willing to share and how transparent you're willing to be. So Devin, you mentioned talking about surprising news and, and you guys just hit on some really good topics for, you know, surprising bad news. What about surprising good news? So something that you weren't expecting is really good to the business. You have this information, you are excited to talk about it. And there's some wrong practices, you know, maybe going to just one employee first and mentioning it. And then that person, you know, and it starts to spread and people are hearing it from different places. And they're like, how'd you hear it before I did? So there's a, there's a wrong way to do that. Talk about that a little bit and, and maybe a better way to deliver some surprising good news. Well, I'll tell you one thing that one type of good news that you may not want to to overly share is counting your chickens before they hatch. (laughs) So, you know, that we've seen business owners do that before and it sends the wrong signal in terms of we had a situation one time where business owner said they were going to get the county's business, right? It was like this huge contract they were going to get. And the general manager at one of our next leadership meetings had like on the, on the agenda, six or seven new vehicles they wanted to purchase. And the owner's like, we can't buy out six vehicles because they weren't financing. They were going to buy it. They bought everything cash. They're like, we can't buy six vehicles at one time. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? You said we've got this, you know, $600,000 contract coming from the county. He's like, well, yeah, but we don't know if that's going to happen. And you're like, what? <laughs> like you just, right. you just got literally in front of a quarterly all hands meeting and said, we're going to get this business. Right. And so we can count our chickens before we hatch. That's definitely something you want to avoid. And then Karen, you brought up a really good one. I was like, who do you share it with? You know, and is it this, is there this privileged inner circle that gets the good news before everybody else. And, you know, good news is something that people like to share, right? So then it it can become like this, this valuable commodity. I have this piece of good news uh, and it's valuable because I will, I don't know, like some of the glitter will, will rub off on me if I'm the one to share it with other people. And so like even that person almost perpetuates the little back channel conversation because they don't want to share it with too many people at once. They want to get those little hits of dopamine going from person to person to person. And then it becomes like a game of telephone. Like it's not just that we got the county contract. It's all we got the state and, oh, we might be doing work for the Department of Defense. And pretty soon we're an international company. You're like, how the hell did this happen? (laughs) We're talking about a a county contract. Yeah, I I think that's a good insight. And, you know, one thing that most companies uh, probably think they have a pretty good hold on and smaller companies is like an internal communication line, right? So I would say in this circumstance, if it's good, surprising news, you can circumvent a lot of these possible scenarios where you, you have all of your employees in an email that's a company-wide email. And actually we had a client who was really good at this. They had one email name that had, you know, through their system, it would email everybody in the company. And so you draft a press press release, right? And you send that one email to all the other people so that it doesn't travel through the grapevine and have all these, 
you know, hey, well, I heard it first and now I'm going to share it. You, you avoid all those situations. Well, I think the principle also applies what you're saying upon the last point about bad news is controlling the narrative. It's not just enough to share the surprising good news. You got to tell them what it means. Like, what does this mean for us? Otherwise, like my general manager who thought that surprising good news meant he could go out and buy six new vehicles, they'll make up their own meaning for them. This means that I'm going to get a raise. This means everybody's going to get a raise. This means that we don't have to worry about watching budgets anymore. You know, this means that I don't have to put up with so-and-so anymore because they're going to get moved into another department, you know? And so when you're sharing the surprising news again, and, and I think so much of this kind of comes down to, for me, like impulse control and, and level-headedness on the role of the business owner. So it's like, oh, I got this great news. I want to, I want to share it. Okay, let's, let's pause for a second. What does this surprising news mean for the people you're going to be sharing it with? And how can we share it in a way where they're able to see the hope, the opportunity, the inspiration, the celebration in it, and, and not create problems down the road by reading in opportunities that might not exist, right? And that's, I think, where we, we sometimes get into trouble is letting people create in their mind opportunities for them that were like, well, I don't know if that opportunity is really going to be there, even though this is great news. Yeah. Okay. So let's transition. Let's talk about one specific piece of good news. So you just made a new hire. And if you're listening to this and you hear this next part and you're like, wow, that's me. Like you're not alone. Right. This is very common. <laughs> so common. you just made a new hire. It's great news. You're excited. What is the wrong way to deliver this message? So I'll just share when I, when I started Axiom many years ago, we had a client who every time we walked into a meeting and they made a new hire, you know, this, this owner had the propensity to over-celebrate, very relational owner. And his response to the leadership team was, we are so excited about this person. Man, we just all excited about the things that they're going to bring, bring to this team. They're going to raise the bar and, and they're going to, like they start to paint this picture that this new hire is the greatest thing since sliced bread, is smarter than everybody in the room you know, it has more experience than everybody in the room. And you get that, you get the idea that in wanting the team to be excited about assimilating this person to the team and, and, you know, rallying them around them to make them successful. Instead, the way it's communicated gets them to start kind of sitting in their chair a little bit deeper and they, their, their emotions aren't as excited as yours. And they're wondering, is this person going to take my job? Yep. Um, this person sounds really great. What does this mean for, you know, and they start hearing the news in the totally opposite tone that you wanted to communicate it in. And that's, this person is smarter than you, better than you in every way. And you better be careful. Yeah. I remember one of those meetings in particular, there were more, there was more than one in the many years that we worked with this client. And there was one in particular, and I'll never forget these words. And they were literally in the 25 years I've been doing this, I've never run into anybody this good. And I can, you started to see like the sideways glances around the table. Like, really? Like, I mean, who am I? Like I'm sitting here at the leadership team table and you're talking about hiring a new, like in, in some relations, entry level person. And this is the best you've ever seen. And it just, you know, it was funny because in those situations, what we witnessed with that team and, and with others, because like Cameron said, this is a kind of a very universal as a failing, right? It's a failing to communicate your excitement as a leader is that people begin to really doubt whether or not this person has it at all. Because, you know, what happens? The, the person who was the best person I've seen in 25 years, two years later, 
yeah, we've got some real problems. This person's toxic to the culture in this department. We're going to have to make a change. What? You know, and I, so for a business owner, I would say it's great to get excited about a new hire, but again, temper things a little bit. Understand there's a lot you don't know about this person. You're basing that assessment on a couple of interviews, which some total, maybe you've got maybe two or three hours worth of experience. Now, maybe you've known this person for a long time. You know, you've got a personal history with them. That's, that's a little bit different. But also recognize, even if you've known them for 20 years, you haven't worked with them for 20 years. So trivial fact on this. I, I, I don't know if the data still stands, but uh, the last time I heard this piece of data, people can fake it for an average of 16 hours. <laughs> so if you have a new hire and they're the best thing since sliced bread... You know, Within good, the first week, you'll ask, figure it yeah, out. <laughs> ask yourself, how many hours have I interviewed this person and yeah. how much longer do I have to wait before I start seeing their true colors? Yeah. yeah, and so many of our CEOs that we work with are very trusting and they're very optimistic, yeah. which are two great qualities. But when you don't control those yeah. qualities and you interview someone like that who can, you know, they can talk it up. Like you see their resume, you see their experience. You're like, wow, this person's good. You're super trusting, you're super optimistic and you don't, you don't consider that, okay, I, I need to yield my expectations here. And then you go back to the team and you express that. Yeah, it can be very detrimental to the rest of the team. So, okay, well, let's transition to the next one. Let's talk about celebrating financial success. So I love the, uh, I mean, there's so many good illustrations now as I'm like, this one comes to mind of the office. We talk about it, I think in every <laughs> podcast episode, but Michael Scott, you know, he's well known for you know, the, the scene that I'm thinking of is he told the office like, oh yeah, we, we just, we hit our bonus and he's trying to figure out how he's going to bonus everybody out. The surplus. Right. Yeah. The surplus. Yeah. They, they've, they've reached their budget. They have a surplus and everybody knows that they have a surplus. And then now they know that corporate will let them share the surplus with the office. So everybody gets a bonus and that news gets out and it's great financial success or cost control, if you will. And Michael realizes that if he doesn't if he, he could keep the surplus. Right. So he, I think in that episode, Cameron, correct me if I'm wrong. He goes out and he shares everybody like, you know, we're under budget. And then it's like, well, we can, we can buy all these new things. And he's yeah. like, well, what you don't spend, you can keep. So it's just a, a funny situation where the off, you know, the news gets out that we're under budget. It's great financial success. And then he, he finds out that if he returns it, he gets a 15% bonus on it. There you go. And he does the math and he realized that's $645. And he goes, imagine what you could do at Burlington Coat Factory with $645. So, <laughs> so all of a sudden he doesn't want the team to know that the news that he delivers. So, yeah. I think the same principles follow and, and we might just be rehashing old ground. You know, like it, it's great to have financial success, but if that financial success is a surprise, you know, like first, like, well, why are we surprised by this? You need to answer that question before you go out so that you can explain to people like, because here's a really a good illustration from recent memory. What does financial success look like? Well, you know, for a lot of businesses, more cash in the bank is financial success, right? And so we had this extraordinary event in the last two years, COVID, and we had PPP loan funds that came into businesses and some businesses got substantial PPP loan funds. And so... The good news was the, the financial success was we are we are not going to have to worry about laying people off. Uh, we've got plenty of cash reserves. In fact, we're actually going to take advantage of this opportunity to maybe expand to replace some equipment or upgrade some some things. But if you if you just share that 
and you don't share kind of the extraordinary nature of where that came from, people are like, oh, well, fantastic. Let me, you know, let me go buy new laptops for my entire department. You're like, well, this is a one-time event, right? We got to be careful with this. So like I said, the same, the same premise applies to all the other stuff. Make sure that you're able to share why and what it means for people and if there are opportunities. But also, I would also say, make sure that it's the kind of information that you're used to sharing. Because if you're not sharing any financial information with your team, good or bad, and then all of a sudden you start just sharing the good, well, what happens when the bad comes? If, if they don't have a good picture of what financial information in general looks like and how sharing that, you know, what's the rhythm of sharing that and how is it shared? Is it just verbal? Is it pie graphs on a, on a slideshow at an all-hands meeting? Is it a detailed report that they get? Don't come out of left field just because you've had a financial success and you as the business owner want the dopamine hit or, you know, there's a valid, like, I want to celebrate with our team. Like we get our teeth kicked in as a team. We should celebrate as a team. Okay, that's great. But let's make sure that you are not putting yourself in a position with financial information where this is just like a one and done. And because the team could get used to getting financial and they actually like it. The teams that we work with, they love getting financial information. And you'll see a business owner share this great financial success and then go dark for another two or three or four quarters. And we'll hear comments from the team, like at an annual review or something. And they'll be like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We got that one report. are we going to start doing that more often? Do we need to get that? And it has to be consistent with everything else you've done. Yeah. And you also, you talk a lot about how when there isn't that transparency and employees maybe find out about some financial success, a lot of times their their first thought might be, man, the business owner must be going out the back door with a wheelbarrow full, full of cash. like <laughs> gold, gold bullion, right? The, yeah, it's gold bars that they're putting in their trunk at night. Yeah, it's true. I mean, they will, everybody believes the business owner is getting filthy rich, usually because they can see sales figures, you know, and that's the highest number in the company. Like you talk about a $20 million company, that means $20 million is coming in the front door. There's not that much going out the back door, right? And so if, if you're not clear with them about they'll make up stories and that's a real good reason when you have financial success to explain what it means we're going to press pause there in the original recording of this episode we realized we were going long and so we wanted to break this up into two parts for you so this will be the conclusion of part one join us next week as we start part two and wrap up this topic thanks